Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode four of The Cafeteria. Look, I owe you an apology. We skipped a week last week. There was no release. I know, I know. But babes, I was on P&R. I was sailing the high seas, performing, rocking from side to side in my stilettos, trying to keep my balance on stage. And look, I'll tell you one thing that I learned out there. Don't ever call it a boat. <laughs> the audience will let you know. I called it a boat on stage, but don't worry, I got my ship together pretty quickly after that. So here we are with this week's episode of The Cafeteria. My guest today is the true definition of a triple threat. Spanning stage and screen, she has made her mark as an actor, singer, dancer, choreographer, stylist and art director. And guys, last time I checked, that is way more than three. She's been on your telly in Here Come the Habibs and The Voice, on the big screen in Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby. But let me tell you, folks, nobody puts this baby from Bateman's Bay in a corner. She has starred in a staggering amount of stage productions across Australia, including Grease the Musical, Barnum, Bring It On, The Wedding Singer, Big Fish. And of course, she did that lift as Baby in Dirty Dancing the Musical. She's currently starring as Catherine in the 90s cult classic Cruel Intentions. Would you please welcome to the cafeteria, Kirby Burgess. Welcome to the cafeteria, Kirby Burgess. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, it's so wonderful to have you here. <laughs> I want to get straight to it. We were at the opening night of Cruel Intentions, the musical at the State Theatre in Sydney on Friday night. Oh my God, what a blast. <laughs> you star as Catherine, who was made famous by... Sarah Michelle Gellar. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes. I am 90s a, icon. 90s icon. Yep. I am a 90s kid. I was born in 81. I remember seeing the film at the movies when it was first released and the musical is so true to the film. It's amazing and congratulations. The whole production is just fantastic and it was so incredible to see you absolutely kill it as Catherine Thank although you. you really did bring your own character to it because I saw a lot of differences between the way you played Catherine to the way Sarah Michelle mm. Geller played her what 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 were your considerations when you were forming your Catherine I think uh the main difference is we're watching her in 2022 I think as an audience as a society uh we're we're more in tune with the true elements of the story, how she is being unfairly labelled and treated in comparison to her brother, stepbrother, who does the same shit that she does, mm -hmm. uh, but she gets villainised for it. And so that was something that myself and Alistair Smith, the director, um, we really talked a lot about because the beauty of a musical is you get a song when you're on stage by yourself. So you get a moment with the audience alone where they get to see the true feeling, the true emotion, the true self of that role. Whereas the film version, uh, I think you were left a little bit more like she's just a bitch. Right. <laughs> totally. We had a couple of moments where it's like, oh, she's, she's damaged and she's been hurt. Therefore she's hurting others. But, um, so there was that opportunity for the audience to feel empathy for her in the film, but not nearly as much. Not as much. So it's a, there's a beauty in playing it to a live audience as they get that aside just with you, just with the character. Um, and I think that's the main difference really. I, um, 
I've done a lot of shows that have come from films and there is a very fine line of giving the audience a nostalgic experience that they know and love but also letting them see you up there telling a story, not just being a cardboard cutout and impersonation. Um, that's always been very important to me. So I guess as silly as it sounds, it's just like finding the truth and likening it to maybe situations in your own life that, again, would make a little more sense in 2022. And, girl, you were all over that stage. <laughs> I still think that the couch was the star of the I show, mean, to be yes, honest. Top billing. <laughs> yes. Top billing the purple velvet couch. Yes. Um, this is the third production that you've done and starred in for David Venn Enterprises. And in every show, your athleticism is the star. <laughs> in addition to you, you are all over that stage in Bring It On. You were doing flips. You mm-hmm. were doing all of these this incredible air work. And it's the same in Cruel Intentions. Yes, I think there's, there's a joke running with the creatives that – I can't do a show without jumping all over the furniture or people or being thrown in the air. Um, but I like the challenge. I really do. I'm a very physical performer anyway. And I say, why well, you can, why not? What sort of training did you go through for Bring It On, which is, of course, based on the Bring It On film, about yes. cheerleaders? Look, I um, <laughs> all of these shows with DVE, um, we have very short turnaround for rehearsals, mostly in musicals, as you'll know, it's a six-week rehearsal process, two-week tech, two-week previews, then you open. We get two to three weeks rehearsals, a couple of days tech, and then we are open. We might get one preview and we're open. So it's a lot and it takes a lot of uh, physical energy to get yourself up to scratch for opening night in such a short amount of time. With Bring It On, we did a half a day in intense training of cheerleading training with a cheerleader um, trainer. Should I say that one more time? Cheerleading training. Um, but And drills and how to. But we were also, everyone was lifting everyone. There's no just boys lifting girls or anything like that. It was some of those lifts I had two tiny little dancers under me just throwing me in the air. Um, so there was a lot of, you have to trust each other a lot very a quickly. Lot. Also, I mean, to be completely honest, hilarious that great in the industry we're doing a lot of intimacy coordinators and intimacy check-ins and training and it's necessary and it's great. I mean, however, no such you- thing when someone's hand is right up right there. Right up your clacker. It's just like, well, you're a cheerleader, you just do it. But are we going to peck or, um, you know, can I touch your shoulder if you've got a scene with a boyfriend where you peck him on the cheek or whatever? Hilarious. So You're, was- a, fi- you're a cheerleader, you're going to get filled yeah. up. <laughs> And in front of 2,000 people. It's true in the film, talks about getting fingered while you're out there, so um, (laughs) unknowingly. But, uh, yeah, look, you get to know each other very quickly. But it was really – I think that's the most demanding show I've ever done. I belted 22 songs at the top of my range in that whilst being thrown in the air. So it was a lot. It was a lot. Okay, so how do you keep yourself well during that time? That is an extraordinary amount of pressure – on the body, on the mind, on the spirit. Talk me through an average day or week in the life of Kirby Burgess when she's in Bring It On, when she's doing flips in the air, when she's belting 20 numbers. What do you do to take care of yourself? Look, for myself, as I've gotten older in this industry and on this earth, I have realised that the healthiest thing you could do for yourself or the most, um, the healthiest focus is your mind. Um, 
I've done all the training. I've been trained my whole life. Since I was five years old, I've been dancing. Yes, you do a sense of physical training, warm up and all that kind of stuff. But the show is kind of that for me. I don't go to the gym or do anything outside of the show. Most of the time because my body needs rest. What I need to uh, work out, I say in inverted commas, is my mind. So for me, it's finding downtime, stepping away, whether that be just watching Netflix or a series, anything like that, whether it be just sleeping in and not caring what people think because you're asleep all day. Um, That to me is worth more than getting to the gym every day to keep fit or whatever. I say that loosely for the show. Uh, And as I have moved through the industry, that has become more important for me to get on stage. Most of the time it's your mind that has to get you through it. And with these physical roles, that is the number one. And I have a little uh, tradition that I do that started in Bring It On. When a I really ritual? A ritual, thank you. Mm. Um, I have a little ritual that started in Bring It On that I do before I walk on stage and it's about respecting the stage as well and all, everything that came before me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think as performers we can get a bit insular and think that our, our performance and our experience and our existence must be this big entity that everyone must feel. It's like, no, there's so much has come on this stage before me. This, this stage knows more than me. So it's a bit about respecting that space too. I can imagine you'd feel very centred mm. in that moment. I certainly know that we've performed together a lot of times, but I particularly remember when we were at the Opera House, um, their Welcome to Country, I made sure that I stood side of stage every night and listened to it because there is something really centering for me about that, about the acknowledgement of where you are mm. and what it is. So I can imagine that your little ritual is helping. Is yeah, it helping? it does. Well, I mean, I'm, it's becomes a very superstitious thing too. It's like kind of a double-edged sword. But um, <laughs> uh, yes, no, it does help. And like I said, when you're out there on your own, and things aren't going exactly to plan, you don't feel so much on your own. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Especially when you're getting tossed and fingered 20 metres in the air. <laughs> I mean, in Cruel Intentions, it's all happening. You don't well, have to be a cheerleader for that stuff to well, go. No, that's right. So let's talk about Cruel Intentions. The soundtrack is insane. Yes. It is so epic. The audience were on their feet from, <laughs> you know, the opening bar. Let's talk about some of the tracks that are in the show because it is never ending. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real fun soundtrack, all from the 90s, which gives – it's so fun for us. The audience are a, a show for us when they're singing along. Totally. Yeah. So we've got Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve, Every You and Every Me by Placebo, Bye Bye Bye. I was totally doing the hand. I was up in the air going, bye, 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 bye. Everyone, every <laughs> 90s person still knows that. Absolutely. Deny it or whatever. Foolish Games by Jewel, Jeannie in a Bottle, Christina Aguilera, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Deep Blue Something, Kiss Me, Sixpence, None the Richer. Yeah. Oh, my God, the names of these bands in I the know. 90s. Iris, the Goo Goo Dolls, I'll make love to you. Boys to Men. <laughs> I remember seeing Boys to Men at the Entertainment really? Center. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, nice. And I went with a group of girlfriends from school and we'd taken them a bunch of flowers and Kate Bowman wrote the card, but she wrote Boys to, numerical to, men, and I was mortified. I was like, you cannot send that backstage. Wrong. It's, 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 it's the Roman right. numeral. It's Roman yeah. numerals. <laughs> um, so this is the third production that you've done for DVE. Yeah. 
First production was... Bring It On. First production was Bring It On. And then The Wedding Singer, yes. where you played... Linda, Linda, the 80s rock goddess. Hey, Linda, you are big. <laughs> I know, I was so sad that they didn't have that line in the show, but it, Everyone would have it been brought me so much it. joy when the audience would yell it out. Ah. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> That's so awesome. And yeah. now, of course, Cruel Intentions. Mm-hmm. So when I was a 15-year-old, watching it in the movies... This didn't even register with me at all, but seeing the demographic of the audience on Friday night at the State Theatre in Cruel Intentions, it struck me what a gay cult classic this is. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea, but duh, of course it is. And I love how they've really, as you said, lent into the Blaine and Gregory Gregory Mm -hmm. relationship because... Like you and Doig as as Blaine is just so hysterical. He plays that role so well, but it's so great to see that they've yeah they're they're exploring it a lot more, and it's such it's it's so much more a feature of the yeah. Plot. I think it also in rehearsals for this show we talked a lot about the language, and we are setting it in the nineties. It is not set in twenty twenty two, so there are there's still language in there and subjects that will make you feel uncomfortable. Yes, and that is the point. That's the whole point. If you listen to that and go, "Oh my god, I can't believe they just said that," then good on you. You are an evolved, better person than they were in the nineties. Well done. Um, you know, some people still like, "Oh, I can't believe we're talking really this way and that and that." It's like, no, the point is, so you do clock it. But the homophobia in the film is. Wild. Wild. And yeah. to watch it now and go, oh, we very casually spoke like that. And the fact that it, you clock it now and go, that's not okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the language we've changed because we realised when we're rehearsing it, it's just we're still making a point. But, some, you know, one of the lines is uh, uh, Sebastian says when your dad realises you're a fudge packer. And it's like, okay, well, it's not. We don't need to say that. That's mm. a mm. horrific thing to mm-hmm. say. Yep. But we can still make a point and you're still uncomfortable. So, But this was the language in the film that was breezed over, just very casually, the racism very casually, but it needs to be in the story to show who these people are yeah. and we want you to not like them because of that because there are still people like that. Um, And it was such a thing in the 90s that congratulations, we've come so far from then, still have a long way to go. But leaning into those roles that you and Deutsch, um, you know, of Blaine plays, it allows us to see that just a little more. And I love that. I think it's very clever of the writers and it it opens up those roles on stage, which we don't see a lot of. Mm. And the cast is stellar. You're, yeah. you're supported by so many amazing artists, including Drew Weston, who plays Ryan Philippe's character, Sebastian. I met Ryan Philippe in Whistler. Really? 100%. <laughs> I promise you. I think it was Australia Day and we were standing outside um, a pub or something mm-hmm. and, like, I would have been white-girled at, you know, 12 sure, p.m. absolutely. Easy, after belting out You're the Voice, John <laughs> Farnham Acapella to all of the Aussies in Whistler. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, he was divine. He was really – he was a lovely, lovely guy and he stood there and gave me two minutes of his time and I bloody met Ryan Philippe. Yeah. Um, Francine Kane as Cecile. She's brilliant, isn't she? She is brilliant. Yeah. Hysterical. Her timing is sensational. I loved her performance. Kelsey Hulk. Yeah. Yes, who is playing Annette Hargrove, who was Reese Witherspoon yes. in the movie. This is her breakout role. This is. This is her first, which is she's doing an incredible job and it's a, you know, 
playing these roles that were made so famous by mm. such famous people, it's a, it's a lot to put on yourself and she's doing a beautiful job. Yeah. Just a fantastic cast. Yeah. Fantastic cast. And the creative team is incredible as well. Uh, directed by Green Room multi-award nominated Alastair Smith. Uh, we've got musical director Daniel Pucky, and we've it's not Pukey, is it? No, it's Pucky, <laughs> who's also now Green Room nominated for winning singer. Oh, fantastic! Yes. Uh, we've got choreographer is Freya List and Declan O'Neill, lighting designer, also Craig- Green Room nominated for oh wedding singer. Oh my god, it's just coming! <laughs> <laughs> They're getting greened all over here. Um, I say that as a as a green room nom- nominee. Oh, here we all are. <laughs> no, I'm very proud of the team. They I've worked with most of the creatives uh, quite a few times now, and it's really nice to keep exploring, keep creating, and bigger and better each time. So I'm I'm very honoured to be a part of it. And of course, James Brown, the set design. Yeah. I loved the set design. Yeah. James is incredibly clever. In a show like this, we're touring in very, very different spaces around Australia. The theatres are very different sizes, the stage, you know. Uh, so we are limited in some way than the big shows that play the lyric or those stages are pretty much the same size and every, you know, all of the above. So well, because they're sitting in them for up to 18 months. Exactly. Uh, and I think what he's done with all the projection, everything as well, uh, it's a really clever idea that transforms the space. It's a very simple set, but it's all that's really needed, I think. I think allow the story, allow the soundtrack, but then with the extra element of the projections. And the scribing and it, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're up to date with the diary and we're sort of, yeah. you know, we're really being brought into that world. I and a lot that. of those images pay homage to Dangerous Liaisons, yeah. which was the 89 film, 88, sorry, film uh, starring Glenn Close and John Malkovich, which the film is obviously... Uh, based, based on, on thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Sydney season has been extended. Yes, already. That's very exciting. <laughs> they only bloody opened on Friday. I know. How yes. exciting. Well, they're, they're loving it so far, so hopefully that keeps going. Well, why wouldn't they? And it's, if they don't, send them to me because <laughs> I loved it. It's brilliant. It's just such a fun night out and it's really, it's really nice to just bring entertainment back after COVID, after having such a huge break. Let's just bring joy. Yeah. No? Let's just get in there. Yeah. You were cast as Baby Houseman in Dirty Dancing, the musical. It was your first major leading lady yes. role. Prior to that, you had just finished playing Rizzo in Greece, uh-huh. stepping in for Lucy Maunder, mm-hmm. who you also stepped in for on Heather's, Heather's. The Music. I know, musical I spent a part of my Hayes. career just being Lucy Maunder's stand in. How does that feel? <laughs> well, it's funny because we've known each other for a very long time and we're, I would say, like very different vocally performers and but somehow people see us as the same people and I love it um very lucky that those people allowed me to step in and do my own version too but I loved it I was like Lucy what are you jumping off to now I'll just fill in for you that's great so how does that work if a producer's got the posters printed and all of the artworks <laughs> out there like what happens when you step yeah, in and cut sub and out paste a- your face onto someone else's body or no. literally <laughs> sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah this famous photo shoot where um I was actually in it, my whole body, which uh, Trevor Ashley, the director of Heather's, brought my costume along and brought two left shoes. <laughs> you had that two were left already feet, darling. <laughs> too big for me, like walking backwards flippers, but both on a left. So there's a famous photo of me out there wearing two left 
feet. Oh, I love that. It's so <laughs> showbiz. It's great. But God, Baby Houseman, that, mm. that, the most famous role. And again, similar to Cruel Intentions, I loved Dirty Dancing because it was so true to the film. Yeah. And it, what was that experience like for you? I mean, doing the lift, you did the famous yeah, lift stress. every night. Was it stressful? It's How very stressful. stressful. I mean, it's the end of the show. By then we've already done the lift in the film, in the story, sorry. Oh, like 18 times because you have to learn it in the lake scene. Of course. Um, yeah, the lift was stressful. That's the reason why people come to the show and we are human and things change, things happen on stage and sometimes you fall out of it and you have to just get straight back up in it. And and one of the things I love about live theatre is that the audience sometimes is more on your side when that happens and yeah. they go nuts for it when you finally get it. So and, you did fall? Oh, yeah, we had a couple, not too many. Um, one, you know, I, I fractured a bone in my spine falling out of that lift. Oh, my God. Yeah. So what happened then? Uh, I just had to get straight back up in it and I had opening night that night. It was the preview before opening night in Adelaide and I had to do the rest of the season. My understudy had broken her ankle and the second understudy was on for her in the ensemble. It was wild. It took about a year for my spine to recover. But you kept performing during that break. Yeah, and then went straight on to Heather's straight after that and then straight on to Jerry's Girls after that and did it with a fractured bone in my spine the whole time. Olympic athletes, <laughs> people. Yeah, it was Olymp- wild. That but, is wild. But Baby Hausman is such a unique role to play because she is she's the damsel in, the, in distress but she's also the villain. She's the hero. She's the comedic relief but she's also the heart. Very rarely as a woman do you get to play all of those parts and in one role. And that's a um, lot to move through. It is a lot. And character. she's also played in this age that's a really good role model for people, for young people to see that making mistakes is okay, owning them is even better and learning from them, yeah. um, which is what she does. Uh, and I loved playing her. She was really um, – she means a lot to me, yeah, definitely. But she was challenging – it was a year of eight shows a week and doing that lift over and over. I had a minute and 20 seconds off in the whole show. That was it. A lot of injuries. <laughs> but um, I wouldn't take it back. I loved it. You had quite an extraordinary couple of years because you were cast, mm-hmm. employed, mm-hmm. contracted, and then see ya. see you later. Yeah. How many times did you experience shows falling over during that time? All up, I had 10 stand downs. Oh. <laughs> Over the course of 2020, 2021? Yes. 10 stand downs. So you were employed, cast, contracted, signed, ready to go 10 times? Yes. Some of those numbers clocked up with Wedding Singer mm-hmm. um, that we were chased by lockdowns. And then, of course, during that, we had to be stood down for several, you know, either weeks or months to hopefully get to the next city or cut that city altogether and move on to the one after that and but prior to that it was a year's worth of work in one night gone and then before we really knew what COVID was as well I was cast in shows that's like great two days before rehearsals sorry this we can't go ahead can't happen and so I clocked up a few numbers before uh, Wedding Singer even set in um, which is it's really painful very painful especially when this is you know the performers out there listening will understand that it's your heart. <laughs> it's your heart and soul. It's it's that thing that makes you happy. It's being a performer to me um, 
is a part of my personality. It's a part of my life. It's not just a job, even though sometimes you have to think about it that way and take reality and all of that. But it's stripping joy away from you, not just it's not just about the income, which is still painful. Um, so yeah, the last the couple of years of going through that and being stood down again and again and again. And because I uh, didn't have anywhere to live, I escaped home to my hometown in Batemans Bay, which I'm very lucky for and very glad my parents were happy to have me. But it's still really hard to go back to a country town when you've been on tour for 10 years. And it's, it's like part of your personality being stripped. Did you feel a sense of failure? Yeah, I did. And because I was so removed, I wasn't in the city seeing friends when we could or I was absolutely taken away, no performers around me, um, which I guess it's a bit of both. Sometimes that was a bit of a a relief to kind of stay out of it. Um, And you don't have to be asked how you are by people who know you, so you don't have to ask that question. Yeah, but I I worked for my parents in a supermarket and – the what locals. else did you do to keep yourself busy? <laughs> I also learned how to make furniture and renovated for my parents. Um, I would YouTube how to use some very large tools that I probably shouldn't and had a couple people try to teach me and, yeah, very funny. I I renovated a whole area of my parents' house and it's beautiful. I'm very proud of it. Um, it kept me busy. But you worked in your dad's I worked, thank you, yeah, shop? I worked in my dad's supermarket and – even all the locals know what I do. So they would always check in and say, when are you going back? And that's painful to go. I don't know. I don't know. Or I would say, oh, I'm going off on tour. I go for a couple of weeks and then I'd be back at work. And they're like, oh, you're back. Yep. Another lockdown, another stood down again. And it's this sense of failure over and over and over again, which you want to say to them, but it's not me. And so I didn't, I didn't do it and I didn't fail, but you but feel... But you know that to be true now, right? Sure, yeah, but it feels so personal at mm. the time. And, but then I guess I did feel a sense of we're all going through it and there was something nice, not nice, it's not the right word. Comforting. But comforting in the community of mourning. Mm. It was a mourning period for two years. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So you mentioned that you grew up in Batemans Bay, Bay, which is on the south coast of New South Wales. Yes. Um, what was that like? <laughs> what was that like? Well, and who, who were you as a kid? And what sort of, you know, what was your family like? Yeah, well, uh, we moved to Batemans Bay when I was three-ish uh, and we didn't know anyone. And back then it was like a five-hour drive and, you know, it hasn't moved, but the roads <laughs> have gotten better. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, we joined the local theatre because that was the easiest way to get to know people quickly and we did. I played a mouse in Cinderella when I was three. I fell asleep on stage. It was very method. So method. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone have to go, oi, come here? Yeah, they had to come pick me up. Oh, cute. Yeah. Uh, It was great. It was great. It was a really cool environment to grow up with. It was my sister and I were one of the first youth members and we lived there basically Mm. and then joined the local dance studio and the arts kind of became our community. My parents are heavy into it as well, singing in bands and acting, directing, all of that. And um, that 
became my Bateman's Bay world was all the creative side, all the festivals that my dad was Bayman, um, Neptune Festival, we, you know, the big <laughs> floats down the main street. We were heavy into that. Um, Mardi Gras comes to Bateman's Bay. Absolutely. I love it. Dad built like all these <laughs> breastplates for all the women and these horned hats and, you know, just it's a, it's a community. That sounds it's like a true so sense of community, fun. which is really nice. And it's a beautiful beach town, so I got both sides. I got the oh, the artistic side, but then also on the weekend you're surfing and, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful town. Go visit. Um, they need help after the bushfires. But, well, I was uh, going to say the fact that you got to go home was a miracle in itself. Yeah, well, that during was – During COVID. I was, yeah, there during all that time and it was – it's wild. But it does show you the community came together and like anything like that, I think it, it – it brings out that true sense of um, of heart and you ha- helping a stranger that is, over time you forget to do that and saying hello to and can I help you and, yeah. In 2019, for our listeners out there who are overseas and may not know, bushfires ravaged New mm. South Wales and a lot of the uh, east coast of Australia and Batemans Bay was one of those places and Kirby's parents' mm. house was one of the two left standing in your cul-de-sac, I yeah, believe. Yeah, uh, there was a – yeah, basically. I mean our, our house itself, although singed, uh, survived but we had other dwellings on our property that completely – with all our family heirlooms and everything gone – um, the house two up from us exploded. It, you know, it. Unless you've been in that, it's really hard to explain how a fire actually works. It just house hops. It's really and our house survived because my dad set, stayed to defend, which is not something I would ever suggest anyone do. He was very prepared, but still had to hide in the house because the fire melted our water pipes and there was no more hoses or anything, and then escaped narrowly. And it's. A lot. It's very traumatic and awful. And is but the town still recovering? Or yeah, very much. We mm-hmm. still have people that living in, you know, caravans and or tents or at the kindness of friends and family. Um, it's taken a really long time to come back from that. And then not only that, straight after it floods, straight after that COVID, and these towns on the coast of New South Wales. Well, really, all these small towns throughout Australia mm-hmm. survive so much on those tourist times. Of course. Anzac Weekend, Easter, uh, Australia Day. Sorry, that's not in order, but you get it. Um, <laughs> New Year's, the Christmas period over summer. We're a beach town. We're close to Canberra. Everyone usually comes down. That was bang, bang, bang in a row of all those tourist times, which usually set up local businesses for the rest of the year. And it's a very slow town now because a lot of places shut down. Mm. It's slowly coming back, of course, but it – yeah, it was really traumatic. And working in a supermarket at that time, my dad's, um, my family business was one of the only places that could stay open because it was amazingly, an well, not only from COVID, I'm just talking bushfire. Oh, of course, sorry. We had just put a generator in and much of my mum saying to my dad, oh, what are you doing this for? Silly, waste your money, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple, a month later, bushfires. So we, all the local supermarkets that didn't have any power, because we didn't have power in mm. Bateman's Bay for like a month, um, all gave us all their food. And we had thousands of people lined up. My dad, you know, I he was, honestly, he was a hero of the town at that time because there's no power, so there's no FPOS and no one carries cash. 
and so people couldn't pay for things and the amount of tourists with families or pets or themselves coming to dad and going, I I only have card. And he's like, oh, just IOUs basically, which wow. he, he never chased up. And we still now get people coming back and say, you help me feed my child or my family or my my mother and here have the $50, $100 or whatever to pay back because this is the first time I've been able to get down here, which is incredibly generous because it wasn't necessary. My dad was absolutely like – it's survival and that's okay. Yeah, and it's community. Yeah, it's community. Um, Shout out to Matt Burgess. Yeah. Go and see him if yeah. you're on your way. <laughs> Food works in Malua Bay. <laughs> Have a Kahlua in Malua. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So you have been part of uh, some pretty amazing productions over your time. The, Cruel Intentions is, in fact, your 15th professional, professional production. production. You are now a Green Room nominee. One of the most incredible productions that I saw uh, that I'll never forget was up at the Hayes Theatre. It was their first production of Sweet Charity. What was it like to be involved in something like that, the opening of a new home for musicals in Australia? Yeah, well, we didn't know what we were in for, to be honest. Really, it was such a great creative team and production team that – I went to this audition and thought, well, and also what a great show, Sweet Charity. Um, yeah, so we were we were just putting on another show in a new venue and cool. And it started this empire really of, mm. of great, great shows in Sydney. And we really needed a venue like that in Sydney at the time. And it was it was awesome. I hadn't performed in a theatre like that since I was a kid in my local The Bay Theatre Players. Uh, it's very intimate and when you're wearing hardly any clothes being, you know, one of the girls, the taxi dancers, um, wearing see-through underwear, um, <laughs> you don't get to hide as much as you do on these big stages. But That's right. But it's such an incredible show and it was an incredible group of people that, yeah, we just enjoyed it and then all of a sudden the snowball of it and now the haze, it's one of those venues that you know if you're going to see a show there it's going to be incredible. Mm. And it, for all those listeners out there, again, you can liken it to the falcon in mm. beaches. It reminds me of that. You know, you know the one I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, industry. <laughs> so that's that's kind of like what the haze is to us here in yeah. Sydney. And from there, you've gone on to do uh, Big Fish. You've gone. You did Love Bites there. So yeah. that's really been that's been quite. Me and my girl. Yep. Yeah, it's been a, a really. It's a nice home to come back to, really, because at the time that the haze was being developed, it also. It is because of the generosity of the industry. There are a lot of donations yes. uh, from small to big. I'm lot talking of like $10 mm-hmm. or people turning up and going, can I help you carry furniture up the stairs or donating some of an old dining table or all of that. The commu- the arts community in Sydney came together to help this venue be created. Yeah. And, and it feels like it's theirs. Yeah, and you'll notice on the wall as you walk in, there's all the names of the people who donated. My mum's name is up there. And so, so being a part of that and then doing all those other shows, as you mentioned, it does feel a little sense of home, being yeah, able to beautiful. say, oh, I was at the first one here. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm very proud. You should be. 
So you've done some film work as well. Uh-huh. You've done some film work. You were in <laughs> Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby. I was. What were you doing in The Great Gatsby, <laughs> Kirby Burgess? I was Toby Maguire's dance partner. Shut up. <laughs> How was he? He was great. He's Could very he fun. He's 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 very cheeky. Like. As in just like a little kid, he loves to joke around and he can move actually. Uh, but we were dancing on News a – Newsflash, f- Tommy Maguire can <laughs> dance. He, we were dancing on a floating stage in the middle of a pool. Um, so my job was to make sure that Toby doesn't fall in the pool. But I was wearing this beaded dress that honestly weighed half my body weight. It was so, so heavy. heavy. I had mm-hmm. the biggest welt from it, wearing it for oh my God, you know, I get that an 18 my hour day. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm yeah. empathising, I'm just saying, I know how you feel, babes. It's um, heavy, it's heavy. Yeah, so my job was to make sure I didn't fall in the pool, but I kept saying to him, if your job is to make me not fall in the pool because I'm not coming back up. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. I'm just going to keep going back down. Um, but it was really fun. It was a great – Baz is an in, he's an incredible vibe on set and this mm. was a big party scene with mm-hmm. – Thousands of people and we are. And Brennan McLean was there and Iota was there. Yeah. They were all part of the same scene. So yeah. many amazing Aussie Aussie actors yeah. were, were given an opportunity to be in this and that's just what Baz does, right? Yeah, like, he does. Same with Moulin Rouge and, and same with Elvis, which we're going to talk about in a sec. Yeah, but yeah tell but me about this party scene. he has this, this beautiful um, way of making you feel very seen, even though there's so many people there and we were doing a lot of close-up shots and all of that, but he would go, okay, let's just play some music, we're going to dance and all that. And then he'd yell cut and then he'd go, oh, this person over here, everyone, like this section, I want you to just dance for me and just everyone look at what a great time they are. And he would make, you know, extra number 7042 feel like you are a star and everything you are bringing to this scene is so important and it made everyone just pick up their game and it was a really cool vibe to be a part of. Oh, that's He so was very beautiful. cool, yeah. Because Baz is... Baz is very polarising as a director and a filmmaker. You either love him or hate him and I absolutely love Baz Luhrmann. I love his films. I love what he does. I love the world that he creates. Everything is so decadent and it's so rich and, you know, one of my favourite films is still Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann's. Yep, part of the Red Curtain trilogy. Oh, it's just stunning. Um, And you're... Even though you've been in The Great Gatsby, that's not your only link to Baz Luhrmann. Your sister, <laughs> yeah. what a segue. Your sister, Ashley yes. Burgess. Yes, is Ashby, married, as people know Ashby, yeah. as, as they know her, another divine performer, absolutely stunning um, and so successful in her own right. Her, she's married to Jamison Shaw, who happens to be Baz Luhrmann's musical director. Yeah, um, musical supervisor for his uh, – he. Won a golden reel for the Get Down. He did that for Baz. Um, here I am promoting Jambo. Here you are. Um, oh no, it's amazing. Yeah, though, and we're very proud of him. He's incredible. And He's an. In- what he does is just phenomenal. Yeah. And Baz is right to bring him under. You know. He gets Baz fine is over right the world. To keep him. Yeah, don't let him he's go. Some, one of the only people in the world can do certain things, and we're very proud. And he he has worked on the music team for the Elvis film, which has just been released, and the I'm yet to see it because I'm. Well, me too. I haven't seen yeah, it I've yet been on stage, so I'm hoping in the next couple of days I'll get to see it. But he worked very hard on that, and it's paid off. I think it's the music itself, which is as you said, everything's just been released, and it's phenomenal. Which. Mm. 
Um, Baz, the music is always such a prominent, plays such a prominent role in yeah. his films. and It's almost the heart of everything he does. Yeah, and I love that. Me too. Yeah, but yeah, working on Gatsby for him was very cool. And Toby is really love. I met Leonardo DiCaprio. Shut up. How is, is Leo? Well, first of all, he's very tall. Like how tall? Like uh, six two or something crazy like that. Wow. I know. Because you always see actors, you think they're tall and then you meet them and they're like teeny tiny. Yeah. But Leo's legit tall. He, but also I, that's funny because when I see him on film, I'm like, oh, he'd been an average size sure. person. Um, whatever that means. But, but as we know, he's above average. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I wasn't on set for a previous party that they'd filmed and a lot of these other people had been. And so I didn't get the note that you don't look at you don't look at Leo. You, you don't do talk not- to him. You don't look at him. And when I, w- listening to that, you're probably like, well, that's a bit severe. But imagine, you know, 500 extras being like, hi, 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 and he just needs to do totally his job. understand. So he needs to stay in character, do his job. He needs to stay focused on where he needs to be. So I get it. I did not know this. Um, I'm standing there. Oh We're in this God, different so section. <laughs> um, I don't know if this story works as well without being able to see me, but I'm sitting there. We're looking over this balcony and whatever, and then I see this tall man standing next to me and, you know, I'm this country kid that says hello to everyone. Totally. So I turn and I was like, Hi! <laughs> To Leonardo DiCaprio, he is facing out. He slowly turns to look at me and I go, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> and then, I kid you not, he did a slow turn back behind himself like, is this tiny human talking to me? Is this happening right now? And then he was so lovely. He was just like, hey, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> oh, that's so great. And then he got called to be a famous actor and I was like, Cool. I just met Leonardo DiCaprio. And then so the, he wasn't the, like, security? No, well, maybe. maybe. He's like, oh, I'm being called. What's yeah, that? How much longer were you on that yeah. set <laughs> that day? Well, and then the girl next to me taps me on the shoulder. She's like, you're not supposed to look at Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, don't look. Like, don't touch. Fuck, don't speak. Too late. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you? How are you? Oh, my how God. Are how yeah. are you, Leo? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, he was very lovely. For that five seconds. So anyone else that you've just gone, hey, how are you? Have you got a list of these I, stars? That's like my my your default phrase. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, in New York, I was walking on the street in New York and walking towards this man who was very familiar, so familiar that I'm like, I not only know of you, I know you personally. So I'm walking towards him. I was like, hi, hi, Kirby. It's me, it's Kirby. He's terrified looking at me slowly, like stopping to be like, who's this crazy person? And then I realised it's Jesse Spencer, Australian actor. And I, instead of going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, instead of owning it, just be like, I'm so sorry, you're famous and that's a ridiculous thing, 180 ran. I just ran. That was it? Yeah. Like you did a Carrie Bradshaw in New York when she's mortified. absolutely ran away (laughs) thinking, please forget this moment. I don't want you to know my name. In case we meet in the future, you'd be like that. You're that crazy girl yelling, it's Kirby. Hi. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, ridiculous. So, Kirby Burgess, <laughs> what is the great gig in the sky for you? What's the big What's the big one? Look, I would love to do more film. That is a great dream of mine, um, particularly action. I would love to do a lot of – I do a lot of my own stunts in previous work and I trained in a circus, so I'd love to bring that into – 
more of a professional career um, other than jumping all over the furniture on stage and shows. And getting yeah. fingered 20 minutes in the air. <laughs> yeah, use my body for as long as I can and if it's in action films or anything, I would very much love to do that. Kirby Burgess, you are a bona fide superstar. <laughs> in everything you do, every stage that I see you on, you give 150%. Thank you. Any company, any producer, any director is so lucky to have you. If you would like to see Kirby Burgess in action, owning the stage at Cruel Intentions, it's playing now in Sydney at the State Theatre, it's touring all over Australia, it's mm-hmm. going Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide, Perth, Canberra, Canberra and it's New in- Zealand. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Make sure that you go to the website, Google Cruel Intentions, the musical, and thank you so much for being on the cafeteria today. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. <laughs> and there you have it, folks, another episode of The Cafeteria. A huge thanks to our beautiful guest this week, Kirby Burgess. To find out more about Kirby, you can follow her on Instagram and Facebook at Kirby Burgess. And before I go, I would just like to give you a massive shout out. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to The Cafeteria almost every week. I've been receiving so many beautiful emails and messages and reviews from you guys, and that means so much. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen to your favourite podcast. Go ahead and give it five stars while you're there and uh, also share it with your friends. Help me get the word out. I'll be back soon with more colourful characters, hilarity and entertainment. See you next time on The Cafeteria. Cafeteria.